0: Hello and welcome again to the Luke Miller Podcast. I am glad that you are able to join us uh, today on December the 10th as we continue our series looking at resolving conflict uh, through a biblical approach. And a lot of this we have, I mean, by nature, we want to think that this is an external thing, you know, learning how to deal with others, but the reality that we actually see in this, from a biblical approach, is we need to be able to uh, deal with ourselves and and take a look at ourselves as as we realize that yes, there may be a splinter uh, in in someone's eye, and we've got the plank in our own eye. In many ways, uh, we've looked at at really uh, over the last couple weeks prior to our Thanksgiving break, uh, we had looked at getting over that judgmental spirit, something that plagues absolutely everyone and yet at times can absolutely consume us. Um, And as we head down into the final stretch of the holidays before Christmas, I thought it would be good to continue along this series. Uh, And we're going through Romans chapter 14. We had looked at verses 9 through 12. Uh, in the previous uh, two podcasts, so I want to continue along that, taking a look at verses thirteen to eighteen or thirteen to however far we get into this today but but what you see over the course of these first twelve verses that we've looked at is is really a pathway of where there is a conflict, and Paul starts responding to whether they should yeah you know, whether the group in the church that says eating meat that's been sacrificed uh, to idols is bad uh, or whether they should abstain from it. Uh, and another group that says it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and and instead of saying who's right and who's wrong, Paul, in his wisdom, decides to tackle this issue head on as as to what it really is probably a heart issue in how they can deal a whole lot better with each other through adversity. And actually that's where we find ourselves today is really dealing with that diversity. What happens when, when someone does come to us and, and attacks us, how do we respond? Uh, Last time it was all about judging. So how do, how do we uh, really project our judgment on others Today is saying, how do we deal with it when people come to us? Maybe people are judging us, and, and we find ourselves in that, that conflict. Um, if we look at the first word in, in Romans 14, verse 13, it says, therefore, which immediately ties this next section into what we've been talking about over the last four podcasts, uh, and especially what we had just learned last week in verse, uh, v- verse 12. Uh, we focused on ways in which we can disagree without being disagreeable. Uh, and, and part of that was losing that arrogant attitude that we may have and, and really putting this true focus on, on God. And then we followed that up with how to overcome judgmental spirit Focusing on the fundamentals of our faith, taking a look at our attitudes again, considering our coming judgment, and, and looking in long term and what this means for us. Uh, and, and that, I, want, I don't want to say homework, but the challenge that I gave us was, was to really say, live as if each day is, I don't want to say our last day, but the better way of phrasing it is live as if each day Jesus is coming tomorrow, which puts into perspective, A, our own lives and how we need to confess our own sins and repent from whatever ways we may be living, um, but, but also to give grace instead of uh, words of woe to others uh, and just witness like crazy because life is short, judgment is real, and, hot, and, and hell is hot and, and eternal. <laughs> and so as, as difficult as that reality is, it should really motivate us. Uh, as As we go forward so so we find ourselves as we as we look at dealing with diversity uh, and and the passage that we have here, uh, if we look at verses thirteen to thirteen to sixteen thirteen says, therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another again, making that connection from verse twelve and what we've previously done into this passage instead, and immediately we were provided with. Uh, a reality of, of what we should do, which is instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Uh, and what, what we have to say here is, is, in many ways, we need to let love limit our own liberty. Uh, and literally, it's let us no longer have the habit of judging. We're to stop doing what we're in the habit of doing. Uh, and there's a, a great s- uh, sermon uh, analogy in a, a book, not analogy, explanation in a, in a book that preachers often try and use, which, which talks about a, a unnamed pastor, or as the story goes, who, who kept a special book sitting on his shelf in clear view of anyone coming into his office that simply said, complaints of members against one another. <laughs> So, uh, and when someone from the church would, would tell him about a fault of someone else in the of the church, he would say, oh, well, you're, it's your lucky day. I actually have a complaint book here. I'll write down what you say and you can sign your name to it. Uh, when I see the person, I'll take that matter up with them. And uh, it's an it's open book and feel free to say what you need to say. I'll write it down and you can sign it. Uh, and don't feel free to restrain yourself and immediately the uh, the person complaining would say something along the lines of oh no i couldn't sign anything like that and and as the story goes 40 years that book was opened thousands and thousands of times but no entry was ever made <laughs> what it's what it was saying is is when we look at at conflict or we look at even issues we may have with one another um are we going to let our love for one another, as we're commanded to do in the Bible, take precedence over, in many ways, uh, our own personal feelings, our own personal liberty that we want. Uh, and, and Paul goes on and uses a play on words to say that if we want to judge, then, then go for it, but there's stuff that comes along with it. There's someone that we should judge, and that's really ourselves is what he's kind of saying in this. Uh, And it's a bit of a challenge. Oh, you want to judge someone? Okay, yeah. Judge yourself for a little bit and see how that works. Uh, And instead, uh, make up your mind literally means judge this rather. We're to make up our minds because our actions can cause adverse harm to others. Uh, If we see uh, verse 13 to 15, it says, Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way as one who is in the Lord Jesus. I'm fully convinced that no food is unclean in and of itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him, it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating, destroy your brother from who Christ died uh, and and again, here we have Paul putting this into perspective for the the church in Rome it was it was about food for different churches across North America. You can name all sorts of different things which may cause conflict from the simplest things or you may deem it the most complex things like church chair color or chairs versus pews or the painting on the walls or the programs that are run or, or what the life groups are called, uh, whatever it may be, putting it into the grand scheme of things, uh, where we ask ourselves as, as, or as Paul is challenging us to do not destroy your brother for whom Christ died in a sense of saying, does this really matter? Uh, the perfect example of this is in from the old testament comes from Zechariah uh, where a group of people from Beersheba come to come to Zechariah and, and say can you ask God if we should continue fasting and and then then feasting and doing this holiday and God's response through Zechariah is again saying it doesn't matter to me i never told you to do it you're doing this for yourselves. <laughs> this is nothing. I didn't tell you to fast. I didn't tell you to celebrate that holiday that you're you're celebrating. You created that for yourselves so that you could feel good. Uh, really, it doesn't. God's saying it doesn't matter to me. You're doing it for yourself. And and part of it is is also a challenge to put in perspective why we actually do what we do. So there's this challenge to remove stumbling blocks. Instead, make up your mind not to put up any stumbling blocks, right? It's a call to action is what's happening. After Paul explains the situation, he's saying, are you being a help or are you being a hindrance? A statement that I've heard many times in my childhood. (laughs) Uh, Are you being a help or are you being a hindrance? And the, the reality is, again, it's going back to that Zechariah, is saying, is this really uh, an issue? Is this an issue for God or is this an issue for you? And, and challenging us to remove whatever stumbling blocks may be in our way. Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes uh, as we look at being peacemakers and it's not just being peacekeeper and saying, being passive, it's being a peacemaker, actively going out of your way to make peace and not cause conflict. That's what we see in verse 13, which says, instead, make up your mind. It is this call to action, is this intentional action that we we're challenged to, we're, we're challenged to take on and live out. The other thing it says is take away any obstacles, Right? Check out verse 13, and we say not to put any obstacles in your brother's way. Obstacle was, I mean, a snare or a trap that was used to catch an animal. It's idea of of a rope that is pulled across a path in order to to cause someone to fall. So it's saying, are you causing, are you putting any obstacles? Are you causing anybody to trip up is, is really the challenge. Now, Up in Saskatchewan, and now you get a Saskatchewan story out of this, I was at a golf camp. I was uh, teaching up at a golf camp, and at the same time, there was a riflery camp. In fact, uh, if you come into my office uh, or saw my desk, there's a golf ball on there from when riflery camp and golf camp both came together for one afternoon and we were skeet shooting golf balls. And I've got a golf ball that's been shot with the shotgun uh, sitting on my desk. Uh, and but, but when the speaker was talking from the riflery camp, it's like he was speaking a different language. I had no clue what he was talking about. He was talking about snares and he was talking about uh, how meticulous and how easy to set them off it is. Uh, even just the slightest movement can set it off which is meant in many ways a snare is is baiting uh, an animal to walk through that path or finding a path that they normally travel and catching them there and uh, th- he would say that there's two ways in which you can do this uh there is the selective way which is a very meticulous snare uh which is baited and and brings the animal and then there's the 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 blow-it-up way. <laughs> and and that way is you'd see when they'd have beaver dams and they would put a, a lot of dynamite or tannerite or anything like that uh, into the beaver dam and, and blow it up. It was not selective in any way. There was nothing left of the beaver dam or probably the beaver for that matter. Um, and And for us... I I use this analogy because stumbling blocks and obstacles that we have, we we approach it in different ways, right? Um, Our responses to diversity come sometimes in just letting something small irk us. It's the same thing over and over. Uh, And we'll respond in a proper way. And sometimes we also just go in with dynamite and want to blow the whole thing up. You know, it's been building and building and building, and we just... In a way, lose it. Uh, and, and so the challenge here is to take away obstacles in verse 13 that can set off even the smallest thing. It's not saying being hypersensitive, it's saying be hyper aware of, of who we are as a church and a community so that we can thrive together, realizing that we all make mistakes or we all, uh, I mean, we all for, fall short of the glory of God yet Christ died for us, as Paul reminds us here. And and I think the other thing, I know the other thing that we see here is, is to determine not to cause distress. In verse 15, it says, if your brother, brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Uh, our liberty must always be tempered by love, as we recognize that our attitudes and our actions often have an adverse effect on others, a snowball effect, ways in which we, we never would have, have um, understood it. And the word distressed here has the idea of grieving as when a loved one dies. Uh, and, and the challenge that I'm out of bounds if I use my freedom in such a way that it causes anguish to another. And, and this is all revolving around. The issue of freedom in Christ in in Romans. Uh, one group sees that they are Christ followers and that they are free in Christ. The other, a group of, of Jewish Christ followers who grew up with the same tradition, uh, same traditions over and over, and sets of rules, and now are having a hard time. Even though Christ followers are having a hard time getting away with it and getting over that hump, uh, and so. And and so that's why there's this challenge of not to distress. When you walk into a church or go online to church on any given Sunday, if there's 300, 400 people there, you've got 300, 400 people from all different contexts and all different walks of life. And and it is very easy for us to, in a a self-centered world or a world that really focuses on do what you think is right for yourself— To say, how can I do what is right for others and not cause distress? And and as we go through this, I think more and more we see that that this is this challenge uh, that we need to find. I mean, the other part of this is to focus on eternal realities of it all and not external regulations. I mean, we see this in verses 17 and 18. The bottom line, when it comes down to it, uh, isn't whether someone feels the freedom to eat meat or to abstain, but that the kingdom of God, according to verse 17, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're to execute and exercise discretion due to our diversity, but to get excited about real kingdom living. Another way of saying it is we're uh, uh, to focus on on the majors, the kingdom living, and minor on the minors, and those disputable matters. We're we're not to emphasize our personal rights, but instead we're to focus on what really matters. It's not the externals, but the eternals that we must focus uh, in our life and 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 over and over we need to be able to ask ourselves this question and just challenge ourselves with this question a uh, a great way of doing this is is just finding a verse similar to verse 17 and and making it the screensaver on your phone or or put in a piece of paper up on your, you know, in your pocket, that when you go to grab your keys, you feel that piece of paper, and you know, if you take it out and read it, it says that it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, joy, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Or this, this is about kingdom living. This is about eternal consequences. And, and the sooner we focus on the eternal consequences and, and the eternal hope and less on the minor what's, exact, what's sitting right in front of us and what, what may be irking us, and, and we all of a sudden are going to be able to flourish. Uh, I truly believe that. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 24, Jesus says that if we try if we try to strain out the gnats, the small stuff, we can end up swallowing camels, the big stuff. <laughs> uh, in in a great picture and a great metaphor that he uses. If we focus in on a godly life, we won't fight over the minor manner, matters. Righteousness speaks of our right standing before God because of what God has done. If we have peace with God, the the peace of god and the peace with one another right if we have uh, if we have peace with god then we'll we'll have peace with god and we'll have peace with one another and we have joy naturally flows from that joy comes from knowing him these are things that christianity is made out of these are the things that it means for us to be christ followers and my guess is that that you want to live a life that pleases god and one which people can celebrate. And if we want that, then we must do what this passage says, which is, let love limit our liberty, and let's focus on the eternal, not the externals. Verse, verse 18 provides a promise when we do that, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. The word serves is a word, bondslave, which, which, some, which, which is someone who belongs to another and therefore seeks to obey every command. And, and that's what our challenge is uh, for, uh, for each and every one of us is, again, understand what I do affects others or what I do affects you. We haven't done well in that in the North American church because we often say what I do only should affect me without focusing on others. So when we face diversity, uh, one of the key things that we have to see here, and this is where I'm going to leave us with as we head to the holidays, is because there's no doubt that we will be sitting across from Zoom meetings or Christmas tables or having conversations and diversity will come up and conflict will come up. And in the, at, at the end of it, we have to ask ourselves, in what ways can you be a unifier in your home, in your workplace, among your friends, in your school, and in your neighborhood? Instead of judging, gossiping, slandering, search for specific ways which you can be an active unifier in your family. Proverbs 6.19 says that the Lord uh, finds detestable a person who stirs up dissension among others. So the challenge for us over these holidays is to watch our words. And when you hear someone uh, going after another believer, it's time to speak truth and love into their lives and send him or her to that person send him or her to that specific person instead, but ask ourselves that question over and over. In what ways can you be a unifier in your home for the sake of the kingdom? Uh, The other thing is, is asking, is there any other ways in which, is there anyone you need to ask forgiveness from? Restoration can be one of the strongest things in a church. And, and when you, and, and one of the strongest things in the life of a Christ follower Is there anyone you need to ask forgiveness from? Anyone you need to extend forgiveness to? Uh, And and in what specific ways can you live better and love people more? It's a challenge for, for us over the holidays because some people, dare we say, in our close proximity, in our friends, in our family, just need a little more love <laughs> and a little more grace. Uh, and and that is our challenge to be able to do that, be unifying, being able to forgive, being able to extend forgiveness, being able to ask forgiveness, and to be able to live better and love deeper. And that's what Paul is challenging us uh, to do. So so I'm going to finish there as we head into the holidays. Uh, we're going to be back in January and uh, with a new series and... I'm looking forward to what the new year has. It has been a wild ride of 2020. And so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing everyone, talking with everyone in 2021. Take care. Have a great Christmas. And as you celebrate the 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 birth of Jesus, don't forget the true focus of, of it in this story is that uh, it's part of his journey to his death on the cross and his resurrection and the saving grace for each and every one. Uh, of us and and for a world that is so badly needing to hear it, which which puts in that kingdom focus as as we go forward, uh, as we seek to build God's kingdom and make disciples. Take care, Merry Christmas, and I'll see you in the new year.